0: Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies did a phenomenal job editing this podcast, which is pretty typical of him, to be honest with you. You can learn more about his work at idealvideostrategies.com. Quick disclaimer, there were a few technical difficulties, some glitches here and there during the course of the recording of this episode. It's all the Internet's fault. None of it is to blame on Jeff and man did he do a good job of covering up and cleaning up a lot of that audio noise. We couldn't get all of it, but we got most of it. That said, the next round of the ADHD Essentials online parent coaching groups launches Monday, October 14th. I've already had a number of people reach out to me to sign up for the fall session. So if you want to get in on it, contact me quick. And if I've emailed you, a registration link, and you haven't gotten back to me, here's your reminder, ladies and gents. Click that link, sign up for the pre-registration call. It's free. It should only take maybe a half an hour. It's not a long experience. The link to sign up for those free pre-registration calls is in the show notes. Or you can go to www.adhdessentials.com slash parent groups to find out more about the groups and to sign up for that call. Welcome to ADHD Essentials. Today, we're talking to Danielle Frisby. Danielle is the mother of a son with ADHD, and she's a social impact event coordinator. Don't worry, we talk about what that is. Her company, Unboxing Change, provides a voice to communities through membership-driven engagement activity and involvement. In today's episode, Danielle shares with us how being an event planner has informed the way she approaches motherhood, including why she looks at meals as events, the importance of dates, times, and locations, finding the good no matter what, and figuring out ways to help our kids feel safe so they can have hard conversations with us. And she shares her son Jordan's ending essentials with us to conclude the show. All right, let's get rolling.
1: So uh, my name is Danielle and my son is 11 uh, and I'm a mom totally affected by uh, ADHD um, ever since Jordan was, uh, I guess, diagnosed or it was brought to our attention that he might need extra attention. I, uh, my business is Unboxing Change. It's a community events company. Myself, am a social impact event planner. So I focus on the good stuff. I focus on uh, events for communities that are in need of healing or support based off of trauma or uh, any unfortunate events or things that they're not really getting all the time. We try to create some events behind that and support some celebration for those that we reach. So as an event planner, uh, my life has really helped me parent Jordan um, by way of using that background and then also understanding more about his needs when it comes to managing ADHD in school and then managing it at home as well.
0: So there's there are two directions that I want to head in. Okay. As much as I want to hear about your experience as a mom who's affected by ADHD, I'm also really intrigued by the concept of a of a social impact event coordinator and what that looks like and what it is. So I want to bring that up now. I'm sure some of my listeners are like, "What the what?
1: What is that?" Yeah, it's, oh, let me, I have no problem telling you. So I have been an event planner for years. Traditional events, weddings, baby showers, and funerals is what I started my career with. Um, I got to a place in my career where I wanted to do more, uh, which stemmed along the lines of party with purpose. I felt like every time we wanted to bring people together, there should be an element of donation, give back support outside of just those that we're honoring or celebrating. So transforming that into a business model that um, allows businesses and community groups and um, I guess individuals to ignite that change within their community requires heavy levels of planning. Everybody has a desire, an idea of how they can help or how they can support individuals that need it. Um, But sometimes we can't do it alone and being able to come together in a way that's done by event uh, is what I've been able to make my business be able to do uh, with Unboxing Change. So I recently launched it. Uh, over the summer, I went through um, an academy called Moms as Entrepreneurs, where I was able to like structure how I turned from traditional event planner just to be to go towards uh, community and social impact and actually healing style events versus just baby showers and weddings. So it sounds
0: like the 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 idea behind the social impact side of the event coordinating, and I'm going to use like a terrible example here, but it's the best one I've got. It's sort of like a Toys for toss party, only not only during the winter. You're organizing events, maybe charitable charitable events or auctions or something along those lines to help support communities and people in need.
1: Absolutely. I believe it's the best way for people to connect. Um, the reason why I say that, right, is when you get people already in a space of celebration, just be it just corporate office party, happy hour, welcoming, launch, whatever, birthday, Um, people are already intrigued and they're already in the giving spirit because they're showing up to celebrate. This is an awesome time for us to get really strategic about how we want people to connect in our spaces. So when we think Toys for Tots, absolutely, not only are you asking the person to show up as a leader, be it, you know, I'm a leader as a customer or a leader as a professional or leader as your support person and friend, you're asking them to be present in that space and I want them to bring something with them uh, to support a,
0: a larger cause and it sounds like also a way to to foster that connection even more significantly right like your yeah connection's a big deal for me It comes up on the pod fair amount we're having let's say a retirement party for someone and it, it goes from yeah we're all sort of connecting over our affection for bill we're connecting over the fact that we all sort of work in this office and we're celebrating bill's completion of, of his career here But also, we're adding this other layer of doing something good for Meals on Wheels, the local library or wherever, whatever the challenged area may be, whatever might need some support. We're also benefiting that. And potentially, we're also able to connect around our passion and commitment to Meals on Wheels or to the library. Yeah. So you're sort of creating another layer of connection for the people who are who are at that event?
1: My question would be, all right, so Bill has retired from what? Let's talk about his years of service because we're celebrating him for his years of achievement. Let's get focused on what he actually did. That allows us to figure out the ways that we could actually connect his experience and work to a cause that is continuous. Because his chapter is over, but what he did in his career to get there he can continue since we honor him being as an employee, you know, a person of our, our, our organization. So let's say Bill um, was focused on feeding uh, different families and, and organizations and Meals on Wheels and things of that nature. We would want to connect those pieces of him that honor his experience to things that are continuous for the company and provide visibility on both ends.
0: And that might even help people see Bill in a, in a new light because maybe there's Plenty of folks were like, man, Bill rode me so hard. I hated that guy. What do you mean? He was right. constantly helping out Meals on Wheels and drove food to the elderly every weekend.
1: I didn't know anything about that. Exactly. That's why Bill was always late or that's where I can find Bill now. Because, you know, going back to connection, right? When people leave um, out of our experience, in, i.e. work or life or something like that, But if they leave out of our personal experience, there's a void that needs to be filled or another way for you to connect. So if you're not going to see him from nine to five, Monday through Friday anymore, you know, you can find them every other Sunday here, or you can begin to serve with him, or you can actually introduce him to the other opportunities that you support since, you know, he's a man of service. There's so many ways to do that. And my, my goal with unboxing change was to capitalize off of that, that be like pounce on that connection.
0: That's awesome. That's why I love it before my listeners start going, what does this have to do with ADHD? Everything. Everything, yeah, Cause, because connection in enormous way to manage our ADHD. It, that social connection is critical and the more isolated we get, the harder it is to manage anxiety, depression, ADHD, you name it.
1: Let's talk about Jordan. So I'm an event planner, right? Social impact and uh, I'm the event planner now. Jordan's my son, he's 11, Christmas baby at that. Um, the reason why I say let's go to Jordan is because That event planner mindset has structured my motherhood since he was even thought about, you know what I mean? And making sure that Jordan has the best possible experience as a child is something that I built a business behind, around, and continue to work for, especially when we get to social experiences and spaces. When I think about Jordan's ADHD, I really, really go simplistic before I get technical because of the fact that like, he's my baby, right? He's my kid. So I have to always explain things to him that I understand that may be more complex as you know, as we're thinking about his life and then how he communicates and how he conducts himself as a professional when he gets older. But right now, he's 11. And before that, he was 1 through 10. So we've been having to talk in a way that Jordan feels Connected while he's growing and trying to understand, so it goes gets back to social spaces. I've tried to make sure. Well, excuse me, my husband and I have tried to make sure that we've exposed Jordan to multiple places to connect, from you know karate to church to school to other after school activities, things where he can find connections with people that have similar interests that he doesn't see all the time. Because if one space is not doing it for him, especially if it's school, right, where he's not able to get it, feel it, understand it, he might not be willing to communicate there in that place there either. But if he has other places to go to, scouts, um, karate, you know, the gym or anything that we introduce him, camp he might begin to open up. So that's why that party element, that event planner uh, element comes into play where I'm always constantly thinking of new events for ways to connect. We do that for our children as well while we're trying to manage their experience with or without HD, but definitely with ADHD because we know um, it's a little bit different.
0: I've been having this battle with my kids since July 4th. I have the unfortunate role of being the only extrovert in my house. Mm -hmm. So my wife is very much an introvert. The boys are kind of ambiverts, but with introvert tendencies, at least at the moment, Nate is more extroverted than Gavin. But uh, right now, Nate's struggling a little bit with the transition to school. So he became more introverted as a result. And on July 4th, I hit this challenge point where traditionally our July 4th party has been like people from Boston, which is about an hour away. We had friends out there. We moved from that area to Shrewsbury, which is the center of Massachusetts, so about an hour off. And we used the July 4th party to stay in contact with our our Boston friends. And then this year, we were sort of in the position of, well, we could also invite some of our Shrewsbury friends that we've made because we know some of them are looking for something to do. And also, we've kind of become the family that has the party. And then, me being who I am, I'm like, yeah, but we've also started to make some new friends and we should try to cement those relationships, those connections. Yeah. Because July 4th is the kind of event that people are more likely to come to. So we w- ended up with way too many people at my house. Yeah. And so my kids kind of shut down. It was just too many. And so we've been having this little push pull and and I pulled back for most of the summer and we would have one family over. And one of the things we do as a tradition in my family is we watch movies in our backyard. It's a great draw. So Over the weekend, we had one and my boys were like, we don't wanna have too many people come over. I don't wanna do it. And I'm like, yeah, but guys, you know what? Connection is gonna make you feel better. We haven't really been able to make it happen in a larger level for a while. I think that it's important that we have like two or three families come over. We watched Willow in the backyard. People were gone by nine o'clock on a Saturday. I made it a point to point out to both my kids and my wife too, but she didn't need it really. She was just there, that everyone felt better how good we all felt having spent time with friends. And that part's critical too, is recognizing not just that connection is important, but also how we feel afterwards and and sharing that with our kids and that not only was this a good experience, but let's look at why, or let's look at just how we feel and let's really honor the emotional experience of this event.
1: It's, It's perfect because it goes back to like what I live by dates, times, locations as an event planner, right? That's how we start the conversation. What what day is it happening? Like, when do you want this to happen? What time of day, time of year, and uh, location is everything? Be it an online experience or we're out in the world. Dates, times, locations create experiences, right? So, once you have that template of being able to have conversations that that, that foster connection, you can apply them anywhere. My families they run events for meals throughout the course of the week and the weekend, they don't stop. I know you guys probably do an amazing breakfast, lunch and a mean dinner throughout the week. These are the events that you have to put together. You've got to figure out what you're going to do. If you add some um, connections, sprinkles to that, you know, how did you feel or what do you think our guests felt or why do you think this was important? You know what I mean? Asking those questions that stimulate the why create bigger experiences and make our children leaders too. Cause they're more likely to invite uh, others into their experience that they love and trust. I love
0: the idea of a meal as an event.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, but so often meals
0: are like almost drudgery, right? Like oh, I have to do this thing. I gotta, Yeah. I have to make the meatballs so the kids can eat and they're not even going to want to have the meatballs. We had meatballs last week. They're going to like all of that kind of mentality starts happening. Yeah. But looking at it as an event and certainly not every single meal, because that would get overwhelming, I'm sure. But every now and then, thinking of a meal as an event, it brings in that dopamine that's so important for ADHD, because it's now it's unique and new. And even just thinking of the meals that we have as a family, like tacos for us are kind of an event.
1: Yeah, they're a lot too, yeah. Yeah, tacos was
0: the first meal that my kids ate consistently. And I sat back and wondered, and it's it's because it's an event, I wasn't thinking of it in those terms. It's because it's one of the few meals that we put all of the pieces on the table, build their own stuff. There it is. You figured it out. And that's the event as opposed to meatballs where it's like,
1: here's your plate with spaghetti and tomato sauce. This is some the process. Yeah. So in the, okay. So the best thing about events, right. Is that you get to feel it, hear it, see it first, right. As the planner, you always want to be the planner. Even if you're coordinating with someone else, because, You're a part of this experience as well. So, and I say all that to say, you know, I don't want anybody to get overwhelmed. Where, like, well, you know, should it just be tacos or should it be breakfast? Like, no, it should be a mindset where you're bringing the pieces together and you're hosting your family. They have standing invitations every night. You know what I mean? They're always going to be in the building, but for you, that might be something special where it's something for you. Where you're like, you know what? Nobody knows that it's, you know, taco night for me personally, but I'm treating my family as the host and I'm going to ask them questions in such a way to simulate conversation where I'm going to get it first until others can buy into that idea. Because remember, events are driven based off of invitation. If there is no audience, then the event's not really happening. You know what I mean? You just put things together and I feel like that's why people shy away from them because they don't know who's going to show up, but really it's not who, it's what shows up. It should be the conversation about continuous connection. It should be a space for creativity and collaboration, even if it's over pancakes. It's like, you know, know, and how do you get our kids ready for school? It's that excitement that, you know, listen, your father packed your lunch because that's what my husband does here. You know what I mean? I am the one that sets the table. I set the mood. This is what we're going to be talking about. My husband's the one that does the majority of the cooking. So we have our roles, but we also know that we're trying to capture an experience at the end
0: so what are some of the ways that you're creating an an experience when you're approaching a meal as an event and and i i really want to be clear for the listeners I, i i know that we all have adhd and i know that some of us are listening and being like i can't make every meal an event we are not saying make every meal an event what we're saying is sometimes you might recognize that your family needs an event yeah and tell me if i steer wrong on this but there's times when for me my response without thinking it through and not having this frame until I just talk to you, there's times I'm like, we should just go out to eat. Yeah. And I think what I'm doing there is looking for an event when actually that event can be designed at home and and it can be every two weeks or once a week or whatever as necessary and as time allows. So how do we make sort of a a standard meal at home into an event? What, what kind of things are you doing for that?
1: What all starts with the family calendar. So we got to make sure, just like regular events in life, uh, we want to make sure things are on trend and of value. So back to school is what's on the calendar, right? So we have our back to school event style opportunities to connect. Um, So I'm using my business and my family at the same time. So the reason why I went with what's on the family calendar is because that's what the family's talking about. Prior to back to school, it was camp because that's what Jordan was in. You know what I mean? creating events around conversations that need to happen has really helped. There's a lot of fun that happens for my 11-year-old, but there's a lot of work with an 11-year-old who's like an adult, but not. So he's really in this space between stories where he thinks that because he has access to a laptop, a cell phone, and can, you know, lift with an adult, you know what I mean? He can just live his own life at 11. And that's hard to explain that nobody, you have to go to camp every single day. You can't just take weeks off that we've paid for. Like, what are you doing? You know, so he can relax. So those are hard conversations that you still have to have in the midst of a very exciting time while still being able to be an effective parent. Go with what the family's talking about. So right now the family's talking about back to school. So there's three different opportunities to have meals structured around conversation. I'll give them to you. The first one was the fact that we're getting out of camp and getting ready to go back. So it's the schedule change. That would be a conversation where we're like, all right, so if dad's making tacos or we're having pizza, I know I want to be intentional about how we change Jordan's schedule from going to bed whenever he wants to, to now you have a hard stop at 8.30 because you're really in bed by nine because we got to get you up at six and you don't like that. So I know that that conversation's coming. So I start to think about how I want him to feel and what I want him to be doing during that time. I want him, feel open to conversation. I don't want him to feel shut down. So I want him to be putting things together. So he's either fixing his own plate or making tacos because those are a big deal in our household. But then more importantly, this is not a conversation where I need him to write things down so I can have him just focused on what he's doing. And he doesn't have to do anything else after that. There's sometimes when we're having these meetings and and these uh, opportunities to connect with family that there's multi-step directions that have to happen. I got to tell you what to do. You have to demonstrate that you know how to do it. And then I need you to show me that it's done and smile and give me a kiss goodnight. night. It's a lot. Those are not big family dinner nights. Those are like, you know what? It's chicken nuggets because you've got to get ready for school. That's not an event. But if I'm having a conversation about how you can conduct yourself coming out of a camp mindset, going back into school, we might want you to slow it down. So dad made your favorite. He's going to make you a burrito and I'm going to start talking to you about why you're going to bed now that has to happen. So you have to be in that space. So before we get caught up in the details and like, let's do the plates and let's do this. I want you to do that, but I need you to understand it starts with the conversation that you want to have. And then you build beyond that, because you're going to want your kids to have some queso and some guac when you're talking about going to bed, like on time. (laughs) i mean like they might want to be able to dip something because they're
0: like what i love the fact that you're even considering what the meal is that you're like gotcha stuff that they need to pay attention to that's chicken nuggets because they're not going to pay attention to chicken nuggets because that's easy food to eat and the stuff that is easier to understand, but still matters and is significant and kind of has to be, has to sink in a little bit, but doesn't have to be processed so much. Yeah. That's a burrito because that meal is going to slow them down. <laughs> That's great.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it's good. Like I said, I, you know, I'm a marketing um, genius at heart where I'm like, I want to make sure that you understand the impact that we're making. Like you got to get it. So the reason why I use the word marketing is that I have to always be in a comfortable conversation with anyone, any audience, inclusive of my family, my son, where I'm like, listen, dude, I need you to relax because I'm going to say some hard stuff and I can't stop because that's when we have a breakdown in communication. When I stop because you're just not ready to hear what you're going to have to do anyway, I'm going to give you something comfortable. My very first event when I opened up Unboxing Change is I did, um, which you'll love this, right? I did Remix the Ice Cream Social. Ben & Jerry's has a great social justice platform that's powered by their ice cream, right? Where they're really, really committed to community. They're committed to change. They're committed to um, criminal justice, front-end criminal justice reform. And I just thought that was the best thing in the world. This was right around the time where I was introduced to them because they have been doing it the whole time. But um, this was right around the time the movie When They See Us came out on Netflix. This was about the Central Park Five or the Central Park Exonerated Boys. Now, this was a very hard movie, or excuse me, um, well, yeah, it's a a docu-series on Netflix for anyone to want to watch, but especially Black and Brown Mothers. They didn't want to see it. It was like, it's like the news. It's reality. It wasn't fiction. It's something that had really happened. For Unboxing Change, my goal was to have events that have social impact, that matter, that promote healing, but we have to do them in a way that we can have conversation, but we have to be comfortable too. So I did remix the Ice Cream Social as a virtual meetup event, like, just like via Zoom. I asked everybody to purchase um, Ben & Jerry's ice cream, you know, because we're not coming anywhere, so you're gonna bring your ice cream, because they're starting the conversation by way of what they're doing on the front end with Criminal Justice. Let's support their brand, let's buy ice cream, but let's also have this conversation about the movie. People are excited because they don't have to go anywhere. They're excited because they get to choose their own ice cream. And then also, we're going to talk about the thing that you're already talking about, but talk about it in a way because we got to get past how we feel, but look at what needs to happen. That's how I look at events. So it's got to be comfortable so you can have the conversation because that's where commonalities start to form, where you can really be like, you know what, mom? I should go to bed on time because then I won't be so angry in the morning. And I'm like, that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? As my husband's like, you know what, buddy, just finish your food because then you won't eat everything that's not yours. He's our only kid. And like, and it's just, it's insane with him. So yeah,
0: that's how I think. That's awesome. I, I love that you're considering so carefully and probably instinctively too.
1: Have to. Yeah.
0: About the experience of the person who is going to be going to the event. That's enormous. And i that's an area where I struggle, not in terms of thinking about it, right? In terms of articulating it. Because, I mean, we're the family that does the thing, right? That's just the position I've put us in on purpose, because that's how you make friends. And I'll be setting stuff up and thinking about things. And my wife like, will be sitting at the backyard or something and my wife will be putting chairs down and I'll be like, no, those chairs need to go over there. And she's like, why? And I'm like, cause they do. And then eventually I'm like, Oh no, those chairs need to go over there because if you put them where she put them, it's going to block the flow of people walking around the yard and it's, or it's going to divide people off into groups. And that's not what I want to have happen. I want everyone in one big group because we're going to have strangers here anyway, and they're going to divide naturally. So let's make sure the chairs don't make that easier. Let's make sure the chairs make it harder.
1: Open concept, yeah. Right, yeah,
0: which is great for a backyard, not so good for an office.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but those kinds of things, I I struggle to articulate them. And I struggle to even think about them. And this is part of where my ADHD comes in, is I'm thinking so fast. I'm three steps beyond chairs by the time I've even asked my wife to move them. Yeah. So it's great to hear you be able to articulate it in a way that I never could.
1: Well, g- good. I'm I'm glad, you know, because it all starts with as long as the one thing how do i say it usually the word used to be just theme what is the event's theme like what are the what is the color scheme what is the you know what are we celebrating no it's it's got to be a little bit more you know what do we want people to talk about now this can go as you know as deep as i want everybody to see that me and my fiance made it and we're getting married i want you guys to talk about and celebrate our love come to our wedding. Okay. That's then, then that's what we're going to do. You know, we, we plan the event so everybody can have continuous conversation that's powered by our love. Great. Or, you know, are you wanting people to connect? Are you wanting people to introduce themselves and the business that they represent for the very first time? You want them to network. It all centers around what is the cause for conversation. And once you determine that, then whoever you're working with to support the audience that you're welcoming is going to be able to find you wherever you are on that map, because we all have those things, you know, even if it's not, um, and you having ADHD, you might be a person that just has just a social anxiety where you're just like, I can't, you know what I mean? But I, but I'm able to produce these amazing products but I can't talk about it. But if I know why we're supposed to be here and what we want people to do, the what and the why everybody can stand on that. We can always common ground.
0: Yeah. And, and, In terms of family, right, what do we want to talk about? Are we talking about school? Are we talking about how awful that soccer game was last year or that?
1: Because you have to talk about that stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. What kind of a conversation are we having? Is Is it a burrito conversation? Is it a chicken nugget conversation? Conversation that we should have in the car as opposed to a conversation we should have at home or a conversation we should absolutely not have in the car? Because if it's a hard one and my kid can't escape And sometimes that's useful and sometimes that's destructive. Is it a morning conversation or an afternoon conversation or an evening conversation?
1: Dates, times, locations. And and the best thing about it is that you are the planner first. That means you're the leader. You're taking control of the conversation because you're creating the experience. Once you identify what you have to talk about, that's going to help you figure out how to frame the conversation and then seal it as a template. The reason why I say it that specifically is when we get to the hard stuff I love that you brought up, maybe we have to talk about how awful that soccer game was before you go back to practice, before the next game, whatever the the, the tiny habits that you formed out of this tragedy have happened, I need to undo, undo them. You know what I mean? Because immediately when something goes wrong, we are the best at creating new routines of, 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 of crazy where it's just like, you know, all of a sudden you're beating yourself up or you're shutting down or you don't want to finish, or you don't want to start because the last experience has put you in a space that it's hard to come back from. That happens to our children just as much as it happens to us as adults. So we have to be able to have spaces or continuous standing events, be it dinner or, or you know, spending time getting active with the family, going to the library, going somewhere special, that is special to you, where you can share that with your children, where No matter what's going on, we still can meet up here. And even if we can't have the conversation yet right away, we know that we're always going to have this opportunity because that's where the family has that standing invitation. We have the standing breakfast. We always end up going to this place every week. Something that you get to create and you get to take that ownership immediately and change and create experience every single time. You can always make it better.
0: And that structure that you mentioned, one of the things I've been doing um, since my summer coaching groups, I stole this from one of my coaching group members, is uh, two questions really, as a a debrief on every experience that we have. This is what she does. I I just took it from her. I told her I was going to. And what it is, is you just say, what are two things you enjoyed? What's one thing you would change? That's it. Because I've been trying lots of different kinds of questions around that, like, two good things, one bad thing, roses and thorns, all that stuff. This one seems to be working. And that consistent structure allows them to kind of already be thinking about two good things and one thing that they would change because they know it's coming. Yeah. It's working out pretty well.
1: It's the thing that you can ask anyone. And see, you got to remember too that children are awesome because we get to see them continuously growing and going through an experience that we've already been through. We've already been their age. However, as an adult, we don't get to see what we're going through. We can see our peers and those that are older than us. But when you're an adult, you know that you're an adult. Your eyes have changed. So using the same things that work for our children to work on ourselves and our peers, coworkers, colleagues, and friends helps. You never know who needs to hear it. Sometimes we get to the point where we're assuming that everybody is okay or understands that they're not okay. So we get that you're not okay and it's okay to not be okay but we still didn't ask you anything because we know that you're not okay. You know what I mean? So we still want to put ourselves in those habits where it's like, yeah, what are two good things? Cause you have to fight to find them. And if that is your opportunity to quiet the voices in your head or quiet the voices around you, because maybe you're not in a positive experience. Yes. we, We want to require those to come up and show us what they've done today, how they've been able to enjoy the experience that they've been blessed with as it is a day. That they have, and one thing that you would could change is beautiful because that gives you the power of leadership. Where it's like, you know, I, I didn't like chicken nuggets, and mom, you know what I mean? Like, you're gonna stop making them, but I'm gonna say something about it in a way where I, you know, research that Wegmans has it on sale, and I want to try something new. You give your 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 audience your your kids an opportunity to change how they frame hard things to say in a way that they put themselves. In that position where they can help. You know, even if you're asking them, who did you help today? Was there anybody that you helped today? Did you, you know, or or did you get help from someone? It lets everybody know that help is okay too. Yeah. Give it and receive.
0: Yeah. And it gets rid of that negativity bias, right? Because it's not two things you loved and one thing that sucked. (laughs) Two things you loved and one thing you would change. So it probably sucked, but let's frame it a little bit better.
1: How do we say it's softer?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also, let's frame it in a way that lets it become something different later. If it sucked, maybe we can recover from that. Maybe we can't. But if it's something you would change, we can absolutely recover from whatever happened.
1: Yeah. It's just choosing. It's choosing to always um, take the high road, which requires a lot of practice. Always to see that the glass is half full, where you're just going to find the good no matter what, because we know that if we just focus on what sucks, it's going to suck. And it'll scare.
0: Yeah. Another thought that struck me when you were talking about specifically the wedding, especially playing an event and sort of what's the theme? What do we want people doing? What do we want people talking about? That kind of stuff. Also in there, and this is true for family dinner, this is this is kind of hiding as subtext under all the stuff we've been talking about, is it's not just what do we want to talk about? It's not just what do we want to do. It's also how do we want to feel and how do we want the people engaged in this activity to feel and starting probably even there before we get to anything else. Even your watch party with the um, remixing the ice cream social, there's a measure of safety Yeah. in just the way you executed it, right? Yeah. Ice cream is comforting. Using an ice cream company that is supportive of, of criminal justice reform makes us feel better about that when we start watching um, the Central Park Five and and their exoneration. And also, even the fact that people are at home, they're able to connect because we're here to talk about the same thing, likely from the same perspective, but also I'm at home while I'm doing it. So if I feel vulnerable, if I feel overwhelmed, I can just click off that video chat if I have to. Don't have to feel the shame of walking out of that building or leaving my friends who are there. I can just bounce if I need to. And that also is a measure of safety that is intrinsic in that activity.
1: Yeah, event signatures. So those are, you know, when I decided to structure the business to be more focused on um, social impact events, healing events, uh, events that are centered around sensitive nature, like um, domestic violence, sexual um, assault, you have to be very particular about serving an audience that understands what it is to be triggered. That means that it takes a little bit more, like I already loved you doing details as an event planner before, but these got to be feels. Like I know that some of the subject matter that comes up in the events that I support and service and host is intense where it's like, you know what? You might want to know where your exits are. You might want to know where there's quiet space. You might want to know exactly where the bathroom is. You want to know exactly what's in the bathroom as well too, especially if we're talking about some very sensitive things. I have no idea what your experience is, but I know that you came for a reason and I know why I hosted it. And usually it's because I can hear you guys talking. Like I have, I'm a person of sales. I'm a sales girl, right? So I have tons of conversations all day long that are very one-to-one, very personal, which what we're talking about is larger subject matters from, you know, the world or what they want to do for the world or what's happening in their world where it's kind of a global conversation just with one person. If I'm having this 25 times a day, you know, five days a week or you know, six days a week, depending on what I've got going on, I can hear the themes are continuous, especially when it comes to sensitive topics. When people don't feel safe, comfortable, and free to even have a conversation about what they feel is happening in the world, I already know that my events have to be a little bit more comfortable to be like, you know what? We thought it was just going to be comfy blankets, pillows, and shoes. Nope. It's not even just comfort food. We've got to really prepare them to go there, to, to figure out what's making them feel this way and allow them to be an agent of change to stimulate whatever you want moved out of the way, especially um, in sensitive topics. So yeah, I think about ice cream to like where you need to be to get what I need out of you. Absolutely.
0: And that's a parenting skill too. If our kid is having a hard time at school and they've got ADHD, so there's a good chance. How do we get them to talk about that? does that mean we got to go get some ice cream or does that mean that it's a conversation that we need to wait until they're going to bed because their executive functions have worn down and they're not as good at hiding things when they go to bed so the hard stuff does come up because they can't defend themselves and not say it like they've been or does it mean that we have to go on a car ride because maybe that's when our kid is more likely to talk about that kind of stuff and also we got to be ready for the darkness if the darkness comes what are we going to do our kid tells us that that they've been abused? What are we going to do if our kid tells us that, that they're failing and they're not sure they're going to graduate?
1: Yeah. What are we going to do? But how do we address that? You know, it goes back to my favorite thing, which is audience, your invitation list, your guest list, right? You know, if we're going to have conversations about the good stuff, just as much as the hard stuff, who also needs to be a part of that conversation, especially when it comes to our kids, because, you know, so one of my favorite things, um, Oh, so I coach, um, I coach recreational gymnastics and preschool gymnastics. And the best thing about that is that I always, my friends are, you know, from 15 months all the way up to 13 years. I'm always around children when I call and we call them the friends. So, so friends, you get to, you get to have conversations with them about like how they feel about things and what, you know, when they're having their good day, their bad day. The best thing I've always been able to offer the parents that I've supported through the programs that I've, um, you know, coached them was that opportunity. If your kid needs to have a conversation, let me know, because what they, you know, how I manage them at a coaching level, just like how you manage them at a parent level, you're gonna get, you're gonna get some answers. I'm gonna get some answers. The teacher's gonna get some answers. If you know your child is in another extracurricular activity, church, bring everybody to the conversation. You know, because we don't know. I have no idea what middle school is going to look like for Jordan. I have no idea what high school, college, but I tell you what, I have everybody's email address who told me that they're going to be managing my son this year. And I sent them the best nice to meet you email at back to school night, right? Because of the fact, number one, I need you to know that I met you. I saw you, I show up. I'm going to be looking to have conversations about my child because I'm the one that, you know, I'm his executive assistant over here, making sure that he gets to where he needs to be. I know that you're teaching him and helping him go through this coursework and, and get to the student level in which we want him to be, we got to work together. But that means that you have time with my son. So if you notice things about him, I want you to know you can talk to me because I'm going to talk to you. And then also, you know, giving those leadership roles to our family members as well. You know, when it gets hard, grandma is a part of the conversation. Grandma, you know, follow up with Jordan. Because of the fact, like, whatever we talked about, we just want to make sure there's another layer. You know, you involve an uncle, an aunt, a friend, whatever, somebody who's going to be able to pour into your child in a way that is like, you know, he might not say it to me, but he'll say it to you. So think about your guest list. Think about your audience. And then use them for celebration as well, too. We had a great soccer game. Everybody needs to know that. And they might want to have tacos with us. And it
0: brings people together. And and that's a great way to reframe that audience idea, too, right? Audience is not just the immediate family, it's grandma, it's grandpa, it's aunts and uncles, it's neighbors, it's best friends down the street or across the town. All of those people are potentially part of the audience for this piece of news.
1: Yeah. And they have their own experience and their own takeaways too, to, to give to your child where, or give to the conversation. It, it, you know Because again, the tiny friends are going to grow up and become the adults that we are right now. You want to involve people in your experience that are qualified to be there because when it's just you against you, it hurts, hurts. It's not, it's never going to be enough celebration. If you're just saying it to you, you could have had the biggest achievement in the world, but if you just give yourself that small pat on the back, it's not enough. Or if you're going through something that is crazy and unimaginable, you're not going to be able to get out of it. You know what I mean? Even just praying your way out of it, you still need to let others know so they can pray for you. To share, you've got to get it out. So we really want to get excited about uh, who we invite and, and what we want them to take part in our life so they can also invite us to be the same for them.
0: Absolutely. And we are, w- this conversation flew right by and we didn't really get to Jordan. No. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really get to talk to you about you as a mom too much.
1: Oh no. But
0: so that just means we gonna have to drag you back on. <laughs>
1: that's okay yeah of course i I would love to be back on
0: just being mindful of time do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience
1: yes uh my ending essentials are powered by jordan the 11 year old who um i asked about this so jordan i asked jordan i said jordan what is the best way we can help everybody focus for fall Mm -hmm. um so he said um i said jordan what do you do when you have to you know focus when you lose focus in school He says that um he looks around first to see what else everybody else is doing and i was like what do you what do you mean by that he said he looks around he said if people are reading then i know that i'm supposed to be reading if people are writing then people are supposed to be writing if people are talking then i feel like i'm supposed to be talking so he looks around so that to me meant be aware of your surroundings and be comfortable following the group and asking questions uh if you want you know if you need to know what's going on and then my last one um he said uh, he raises his hand when the teacher is not talking. And I thought that was really interesting. He says he waits until the teacher stops talking to raise his hand when he loses focus. Because I was like, what happens if you have no idea what's going on? He was like, all right, I just wait until she's done talking or he, then I raise my hand, then I ask my question. To me, that was important to let me know that that's how my child thinks. And then, two, if he's waiting for a time to be polite and respectful, to re-ask the question because he lost his train of thought, I wanna know how the teacher responds. I wanna know if they're like, you know what, Jordan, you should have been paying attention. Well, let's go back to how he listens and learns. Or if you know he's not getting that answer or if he is getting that answer, I know how to continue supporting him in that experience as well. So look around and see what everybody's doing and then raise your hand when people aren't speaking. Fight for your question. You're still
0: here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendanadhdessentials.com. At and don't forget to check out the website, adhdessentials.com, and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.